Hello and welcome to the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and strategies for coaching the mental game of softball. If you're the type of coach who believes culture is key, the mental game is a secret weapon, and our impact lies in coaching people, you are a sweet spotter. To learn more about our products, services, and how you can gain access to even more of our actionable resources, head to mentalsweetspot.com. Now on to the show. Hey there, coach. Thanks for joining us. I'm Melanie Rushing, and I'll be joined shortly by a special guest to discuss the human side of coaching. As much as we want to always coach the person first, it is so easy to get wrapped up in the softball stuff. The practice plans, game day prep, scheduling, fundraising, administrative tasks, you get it. (laughs) Those things are all important for developing our players and providing a great experience for them. But when it comes down to it, the best experience is when more people around you care. Today's guest goes into depth about how she focuses on the human side of coaching. Drawing from 17 years of NCAA coaching experience, she now leads the Purdue University Fort Wayne Mastodons. Listen in to how she utilizes breathing techniques, mental routines, and checking in to build a culture that truly focuses on building the whole person. Without further ado, please welcome Coach Jermaine Fairchild. Welcome, Coach. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So excited to chat today, but before I dig in and get greedy uh, with all the topics I love, (laughs) tell us a little bit about your journey, whether it be from playing through coaching, what brought you to where you are today? Um, You know, in in terms of the uh, mental game in particular, you know, when you're a young coach and you're first starting out, I think um, it, you know, in my case, somewhere in my mid twenties and um, you're trying to figure out, you know, what goes where and, and what order to do things in and what's important and what's not. And, um, you know, I, I probably still fight, you know, that that battle in my own mind about, you know, what's you know more important as we go through our season based on our performance. I mean, that's coaching. That's what we're doing. Oh, yeah. But I, I can say that from day one as a coach, I have always been interested in how do I help the student athletes that I work with? become better at managing the mental side of the game. It, I can honestly say that from day one, I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that I wanted to deliver it somehow. Um, <laughs> so it, it's, you know, and that's, that's always been a common thread in my programs. And that's not to say that it's always been a success. I mean, we've certainly tried things that just didn't work and that's part of the process. Um, but we were always trying something. And, um, you know, I, I look back and I feel proud of that for sure. Absolutely. I think like we talk about it all the time now, but it is so easy to let slip until you realize, oh no, that is the last thing holding us back. Now what do I do? <laughs> yeah. And it's so tightly intertwined with the human side of, of coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, you know, especially when you're in the midst of your championship season, you can just be so so sure that the answer lies in a better game plan or a, a better practice plan or a different approach. And I think so often our athletes are actually saying in sometimes nonverbal ways, our issues here are humanistic. They're actually not <laughs> X's and O's. Um, and so I, I, as, as I go through my coaching career and hopefully become wiser, I, I especially in championship season, I really try to stay in tune with, is it really different X's and O's or different approaches um, game specific here that we need? Or do we need to take a step back and look at how we're, how we're doing as human beings? Uh, where, where's our emotional health? Um, where's our stress management 
Um, is it existing at all right now? Or are we getting swept up by the moment and, and making the moment much bigger than it should be? Things like that. Um, and, and hopefully we can, we can then spend our time truly as productively as we can to, to get on to the, to the next, the next piece of success, which, whatever that means for your program. So. Yeah. I love that. Can you share a little bit about the emotional health piece and what that means to you and your programs and how you've helped them kind of maintain a little bit of a grip on that? Yeah. I think it's so easy, especially at, at, at probably any of the college levels, uh, whether you have another duty as a coach or, or your, your coaching duties take up, you know, your full-time attention. Um, it's so easy to just get wrapped up in the softball side of things. And when I say that, yes, of course, you stay in touch with um, your, your academic um, staff members, the, the, the administrators that you need to communicate with, you stay in touch with your wellness team, but that's still as it pertains to your program. I'm talking about trying to find a way to get outside of that and and just understand what student athletes are going through on a day-to-day basis um, in totality. How's their family life and how is it impacting what you know their daily life and, and what's important now? How is their social life? Um, same thing. Um, is it is it is it a positive thing? Is it a negative thing um, in their lives at that point? And and just really trying to keep a grip on all the other directions that our student athletes' emotions and mental energy are are getting pulled, other than softball, which as a as a coach sometimes you're like, well, what else is there? You know, go to school, <laughs> yeah. eat, sleep, play softball. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> and and I just it's easy to let too many days go by where you don't stop and 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 ask how much gas is truly in the tank for you guys today like how are things going and what are some of the other concerns that you have and just even sometimes giving them a chance to talk it through gives them energy and 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 puts them in a better place to to enjoy their their sport for that day um or their training um whatever it might be so the emotional piece really starts with a taking time as a coach to make sure your own emotional health is in, is intact oh, and it's yeah. not stuck in you dry. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and that, and, and that is who is your team around you, who's going to give you a chance to just talk it out. Um, and when others give you that opportunity, it reminds you how wonderful it is to give it to someone else. And in this case, our student athletes. That's so true. I, I think it really is too easy to get wrapped up in the doing <laughs> and planning and preparing. And then we realize, oh God, even I'm burnt out. Like let's let's check out on the girls. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and chances are if, if we as coaches are feeling burnt, so are they. And 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 there are times, you know, especially deep in the fall when you're pretty still pretty far away from your championship season and it's time to really grind and do the work in the weight room and in individual skills and in conditioning, um, you know, it, 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 it weighs on everyone. And some of that's intentional. I mean, some of that is, is, is building up the, you know, the fortitude, um, but some of it's not. And, and I think I, we all need to remember to 
take a step back and say, if I'm feeling it, so is so are the other people who I work with. <laughs> so. so true. <laughs> I did that to my assistants a couple times too. I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so what for you are some of the the things that you look for or maybe some symptoms that help you keep a pulse on when the team needs that that check-in or that step back? Um, for me, it's when, you know, we get to the competition um, and we, we try to build a competitive element into as, as many things as we possibly can, whether that be uh, the our conditioning uh, sessions, our strength sessions, um, individual skills, no matter what, no matter how small we try to build competition in because that's really where the athletes have a lot of fun and, and really get into it. And that's the first place I look on a day and I say, you know what, we're competing and this is supposed to be the, the fun, the fun finale here or the fun part of the session. And they're not really into it. They're having a hard time. Mm. That's when I know there's just the gas tanks empty. So as far as in practice, that's the first one. Um, you know, and then other times I'll, I'll, it's about how productive are you with your time? I apologize. There is a chime going off on my computer. Um, <laughs> no I'll fix that. <laughs> no um, I actually can hear it. And then other times it's, it's, I, I just will ask them, you know, when you sit down to study for two hours, are you getting done as much as you think you should in two hours? Or are you kind of spinning your wheels some? And if they say, oh, it's just really hard for me to focus, um, you know, we'll say, you know, maybe we need to just find a different two hours, you know, maybe this two hours from six to 8 PM is it's too late in the day for you. And, and you're just kind of, you could spend this time better, maybe even sleeping. Oh, um, right. <laughs> you know, let's, let's adjust the schedule and, and, and get you, get you home during this two hours. So you can be resting and truly getting yourself back to where you can be productive um, in the time that you have to study. So I think in the academic world, and then when we're competing in our sport, those are the two places I look to go, okay, we're, we're running on empty here. That's excellent. That makes a ton of sense. And how about personally and with the staff? I think, I think my old boss said it best. We've got to put on our coaching armor, right? So we fake it uh, better than a lot of people, <laughs> but it does not mean it doesn't wear on us like anybody else. What are some of your warning signs? Um, you know, for me, it's when I feel like I'm rushing all the time. That's Ooh. for me, it's the big cue is, okay, you have a little too much on your plate at this time. If you can't slow yourself down and take a breath, um, then you're, you're just not being efficient. And you might even be making some, for me, I might make a decision to add something to my plate that I shouldn't, um, when I'm more tired and when I'm more rested and clear eyed, I'll make a better decision about whether that's something I slash we as a staff can take on or not. Um, maybe it's, um, a request to do a clinic, um, or have some coaches in to do a clinic, uh, you know, from the little league, local little league youth, um, organization, or maybe it's a community service request or a volunteer request thing, you know, extra things that come and we want to put on our plate because we want to give back, you know, that's just an example, but, um, you know, it, it's like, okay, is that, is that a good idea to add that? And, and I, when I, when I make a mistake and I add too much to the plate, that's when I step back and I go, okay, you, you're running on empty and therefore you're, you're not, you're not thinking clearly about what you can handle and what kind of time you need to recover and rest 
and it's also putting it on everyone else. So that is such a good point. I do the same thing with food. When I exercise, I eat better. And then when mm-hmm. I'll select off that fast food just looks so much more appetizing. It is amazing <laughs> how that works. Very interesting. I really appreciate those. Like the very clear points that you can see, like, and you, you know, yourself, you know, your players, I think it's just paying attention to the little tells like, okay, that's my warning sign. I need to step back and do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. And also I'll say, you know, like if, if there's a deadline that any one of us misses on anything, it's, you know, I, I look at that and go, okay, well, there's too much on our plate. Cause you know, we don't miss deadlines on purpose. We miss them when we're just getting overwhelmed. So you know, that's another sign that it's like, you know what, if I were to cancel practice today and get everyone the day off, that would give coaches another two hours or more really for us, probably yeah. closer to three and a half, mm-hmm. you know, like out to catch up in the office or who knows, maybe even go home. And, <laughs> you know, hey, that's 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 something I'm trying to work on. And it's in most conferences now, it's at least a best co- practice to look for an additional nine to 11 days off at least, um, in a semester. Mm. Um, and that, that's not just for the players. That's for everyone. Yeah. Support staff, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> for our youth people, the parents who have to drive their kids everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Athletic trainers. I mean, oh, the trainers, um, Bless you them. know, un- unfortunately for, or not whatever for them, if, if I give, if we give the team the day off their, their room might be even more full of people. <laughs> true <laughs> needing stuff but um you know you know gosh darn it we're so grateful for for our, our athletic trainers and our our medical staff they they put in so much time mm-hmm. um, on every campus um mm-hmm. you know and it's it's they they become such a huge part of of the wellness and and, and mental health of our student athletes so super grateful for them absolutely shout out to them couldn't do that you So speaking of the mental health of our athletes, I think one thing that I wanted from this podcast and our business in general was to help be a sort of bridge between mental health and sport because the counselors are busy and they don't have a ton of time and a lot of people don't feel like they can see a counselor or they don't have access, but we can at least talk about things like stress. I think it's a huge huge issue, uh, pressures, um, that kids today feel from others or put on themselves. What are some things that you're seeing by way of stress and pressure on the field and off that you feel you have a good handle of and can help them deal with? You know, I think it, it really comes down to, to that, that first thing we talked about at the NFCA convention when we, when we just met at, at the booth. Um, I think you build a culture. And when you build a culture, you also build a bit of a bubble and, and a bit of a cocoon, if you will, for them. And, and, and to me, if, if you're, if you're on the right track in terms of building a culture, you're also building a safe space for them from the pressures of social media, from the pressures, even of parents and, and God bless them. They have done so much for their kids and all they want is the best for them. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, that doesn't come without this generation of kids who seems to want nothing more than to please. And, and, and they're wonderful to work with for that reason. It does become pressure on them. They end up turning it into pressure to perform. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's really, really hard to extricate 
student athletes from those pressures that perhaps they've had or felt for a long time from any outside sources, whether it was friends playing competitive travel ball in other teams or friends who are now at other colleges, parents, family, et cetera. Um, so our job is not necessarily to get in the way of that. Our job is to put expectations in place so that our culture provides a safe space and we learn how to basically drown out the outside noise, the opinions of other people, because when we're teaching the mental game, we teach what's controllable and what's not. And other people's opinions, including those closest to you, are not actually within your control, um, especially when it comes to performance. It might be more in your control when it comes to interpersonal um, you know, dialogue and interaction off the field. But when it comes to performance, their opinions about how they're performing and what they're doing are actually not in their control. Mm-hmm. And the best players and the best teams learn how to stay focused on what's important now. Another way uh, to use a Brian, a Brian Kane or, or probably many mental, mental expert term. <laughs> Another way of, of saying win is staying focused on what you actually have control over. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's where we focus on it. Instead of talking about what we don't want them to pay attention to and even drawing attention to their stressors ab- about it, we try to build the environment inside the program that says, here's what we are going to focus on. Mm. And if you do it, you're going to enjoy your career and your time a lot more. Oh, absolutely. I love that. I think, yeah, I do understand that if we talk too much about the stuff that's stressing us and not about anything else, it just adds more stress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, that didn't help me. I just, now I'm, now I'm thinking more about those things that are pressure filled. Uh, <laughs> I love what you said about creating a safe space. And I actually had an interesting conversation with my husband who's like, I don't get it. Like, what is a safe space? It sounds fluffy to me. Like, aren't these athletes, shouldn't they be tough? And I think it's actually the opposite. I think it's, it's the place where we can let down our guard It's and be ourselves. I don't think it has to be considered like coddling or like, oh, come here. Let me put my arm around you. Everything's okay. Like <laughs> it's okay because you can say whatever you want here. You can vent. You can talk about whatever you want and it's cool. We've still got your back. What are you, what's your take on that? I think that we as humans are emotional beings. It's, it's something that actually separates us from a lot of other species on earth. We are emotional. It's life would be very, very, very different to live if we weren't. Um, emotions are our guide. Emotions tell us everything we need to know in any given situation about what to do next. Um, our emotions make life worth living. And I was actually just having this discussion with my assistant earlier today. We know this. We know that we're emotional human beings. Everyone is on their own, in their own way. And yet we spend most of our lives at work, right? And the workplace very much yeah. sends a message that you're not supposed to be emotional at work. And for those of us who work in athletics, that's a tough task. 
because it's sports are emotional. There's ups, there's downs, there's extreme elation, there's really heavy disappointment and everything in between. And it's really, really contradictory and confusing, I think, to tell yourself you're not supposed to be emotional at all at work. And now take that over to the student athlete. They too are emotional and to tell them that they're supposed to be tough and stoic and um, not show emotion, again, is very much a contradiction that I think is very confusing and very, very, very energy zapping for them. Um, Tom oh, yeah. Hansen in his book, Play Big, he's he co-wrote Heads Up Baseball with Ken Revisa. You know, his book, Play Big, really addresses this in a really direct and accessible way. And I love it. Um, he talks about your emotions are not something to be set aside. They're something to actually put right in the center because they tell you everything you need to know. So um, we, we invite it, you know, I invite our kids to, to show their emotions. And then we talk about what the expectations are in terms of how we express those, particularly when it comes to disappointments or failures. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to ask people not to show them at all is, is I I think absolutely the opposite of being tough. It's actually running scared. Um, it takes mm-hmm. a lot of guts to face your emotions and, and, and deal with them appropriately. So. Totally agree. Hey, if someone who has bottled it up and they're still there, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's <yeah>. just <laughs> your brain reacting to the situation. That's cool. So how have you created this culture where you thrive in emotion and you support each other through it and come out on top successful on the athletic side. You know, I think it's so important to sit down as a group and talk um, and not tell difference between telling and talking. This one's a, is this one we all talk as a group and we set expectations for how we are going to respond to various scenarios that happen in the game. So just as a basic example, if you strike out, whether it's looking or swinging, what are our team expectations for what we're going to do? And we usually come up with something along the lines of if a teammate's on deck and she wants to hear from you, you stop and you give her whatever you can that's positive and useful. You head on back to the dugout. And if you're someone who kind of just needs their 45 seconds to a minute to just kind of be alone, we learn each other and we know that and we're like, all right, she's let, give her her minute, let her take her batting gloves off and put her equipment away, go to the end of the dugout and maybe grab a drink of water and wad the cup up and s- slam dunk it into the trash. That's fine. Let her <laughs> yeah. have her moment. But the moment is short. It's, it's, it's after about a minute, you're back on the fence onto that concept of, let me be as happy for my teammate's success as I would be if I did it. And that's where, that's where we need to be. We need to tap into your success is my success and my success is your success. That's what helps pull kids who are really hard on themselves and want to take five minutes to fuss and fume instead of one. That's what helps bring them back to the team. It's a team first, we over me, And I think the term that Pat Murphy and the University of Alabama softball program made pretty popular um, Mm -hmm. was Mudita, um, which is a a word in another language um, 
that we don't even have a word to describe in English, which is again, um, more, more joy for your success um, than my own. Um, and and I, I think when you really help kids see that, it lets them off the hook. It's like, I don't have to sit here and be miserable for five minutes. I can actually just turn, put my stuff down and get happy again because my teammate's about to do something great. And when she does, it's my success too. So um, that concept is, has been really helpful to just actually help the individual put it down. Just put the baggage down. It's not fun to carry it anyway. Absolutely. That's a very good point to set the baggage down instead of carrying it with us. Cause that's what you do when you don't let it go. And that's our big sign that we're caring more about other people's opinions than we are about what we can control. Um, when we can't put it down, it's usually not that we love just being upset with ourselves. We're worried <laughs> right. about disappointing someone else. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I, got a little off track there, but when we sit down and we talk about, okay, what's expected, what, what are we going to do commit to as a team, as far as responding to adversity um, and responding to the, the bounces that don't go our way. Um, And within those parameters, you can be yourself. You can do what you need to do. You can turn around and, and swear into your glove, you know, whatever you need to do, but it's, it's very time constrained. You have, well, the game constrains it. You have now 20 seconds max between pitches. If you're on defense, Literally. To turn around <laughs> and get ready. So, um, you know, but when you're also teaching um, processes for evaluating what happened, processing out of it, what's good, and then checking back in with your team and you work on and you practice that routine every day, pitch to pitch, you just don't leave your routine no matter how irritated you are that your bounce didn't go your way, you stick Mm -hmm. with your routine. And that's what keeps you within those parameters that the team sets. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have a, we, we are very good about this in our practices. If something doesn't go your way, coach, the coach, if for instance, if the coach is, is hitting from home plate for, for defensive practice, we won't hit the next rep until that player verbally checks back in, and lets her teammates know she's back. I like that. Ooh, did that take a while for girls to like, catch on to? You know, honestly, it didn't because there was this awkward pause at practice, and usually <laughs> yeah. it's a new player. And finally, an upperclassman will go, check in, hey, <laughs> check in. Because everyone's just, the, the freshmen are usually, or the new players are usually looking at, you know, the coach or whoever's hitting going, "What? we're ready, hit the next one. <laughs> And then What's someone will finally go check in. And then I, I always, we, we do this share in the fall where we're like, we let people know things that they really should know about us. And mine is, I don't, I'm actually clinically hard of hearing. Like I cannot hear well. And so it's funny. It happens a few times this fall. Usually someone will, you know, a new player be like, I did. And then <laughs> an upperclassman will go, she didn't hear you. <laughs> Say it louder. Like, it is a big okay. field. It is hard to hear for anyone. I get it. <laughs> so it, you know, we can laugh at ourselves and have a little fun with it, but um, it it actually didn't take long once we got people going on it because it's like practice will not continue until you check back in. So <laughs> mm, I love that. Again, it t- gets you back out out of your own head, out focusing on the team and the task at hand instead of re going over it in your mind and saying whatever negative thoughts go along with that. 
yeah, and it, it reinforces that routine. Um, mm. because it's, you know, the, you know, I guess the old saying, uh, you know, idle hands do the devil's work. Well, you know, an idle mind, you know, can, can go a lot of different ways that are unproductive. And when you keep yourself in a routine that you've worked on and you've honed, um, there just isn't as much room, um, for unproductive thoughts, um, to creep in there and, and negatively impact your performance. 1000% agree with you there. Even personally understand that. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I catch myself like, oh, okay, going down that path, let's do something else. I love the routines. I think the routines can be scary, especially for new players mm-hmm. um, at first. Because, you know, they're just like, wait, it's so constraining. But after they get into it, whatever routine it is we're working on, they, they do come to realize it's actually quite calming. Um, mm-hmm. to, to, and, and it becomes, um, you know, your go-to and, and it really does imp- imp- boost performance. And, and they, when they, when they see that, that's one of the really fun, fun times in coaching when they're like, they, they express to you that, wow, that really has helped my performance and, and in a way that I didn't expect. So, yeah. Oh, love those moments. Can you give an example of one of those routines? Yeah. Um, so breathing, um, we work really hard on the breathing and intentional, and I, I shouldn't say work hard. We, we work consistently at it. It isn't, mm, I like that. um, it shouldn't be hard, but we, I know. we work consistently. <laughs> I <breathe> hard, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and it's, you know, we talk about it from a stress management standpoint. We talk about it, you know, most of the kids, if you ask them, what one of the biggest mental challenges they have with the game is it's slowing it down. It's stopping the voice inside their head, the conscious voice that's saying, do this, don't do that. Um, Oh, you dope. You know, why'd you do that? That Uh that active voice that they just have a hard time quieting and it's fast and it's loud. And they say, I wish I could control that inner voice. And it's about, you want to control that voice. It's about breathing. So we just start really basic with, can we focus on counting our breaths in for at least four, holding for one to two and out for at least five for a minute? So we'll start with about a minute. Can we stay focused on counting the breaths and visualizing the number of each breath as we complete it, one, two, three. And as we go through the minute, if your mind wanders, notice and just bring it back and see how many intentional breaths you can count. And at first, you know, we're probably around, well, I got to, I got to four and then I, my mind kind of wandered. And then I brought it back right before you said, time's up, you know, and then we, you know, <laughs> by, by the end of the fall, we're doing two minutes and people are up around 16, 17 intentional breaths over a two minute period. And it's really neat to see that progress. And the biggest thing has been alumni coming back and saying, I use that breathing at work. I use that breathing when I have like a tough conversation with a colleague or I'm nervous before a presentation They'll say it in their academic life while they're still here as well. You start to hear their stories about how much breathing helped them, whether it was to get a good grade on a verbal and on an oral presentation or 
to get them prepared for something at work um, or to calm them down at work. They say breathing is so key and, and they really value having learned it um, in our program. So those, those are fun days too. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. Breathing is the most underestimated mental training tool. <laughs> and it does not take very much time at all. It really doesn't. It's no. you know, we're talking a few minutes, the beginning of practice. Um, we sometimes do it laying on our backs. Mm. Other days we'll do it in a cross-legged position. Other days we'll stand. It, it depends, you know, whatever the environment is, but um, they, they don't, I don't have to beg them to do it either. They're like, after all the hectic hecticness of their days, running to class, getting assignments in, taking care of things, they love having that five minutes to just be quiet and mm. breathe. <laughs> oh, that's so true. They're probably like, thank you. <laughs> I needed this mental break. <laughs> yeah. Just, and especially for us up where in our climate, when it's nice outside, I'll, mm. I'll make it 10. I'll be like, just, Hey, lay in the grass and, yes. and, and enjoy. Cause you know, how often do we let ourselves do that? You know? <laughs> right. So. Cause we're all like penny pinching our time. Like, Oh, we, we got the, this minute in, then we got to go to that minute. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I'll look over and our baseball team's doing the same thing. And so both teams <laughs> are like just laying around in the grass in their practice <laughs> uniforms, you know, and thinking there's this pretty major road that runs right by our field. And I'm going, huh, well, these are your hard-earned tax dollars at work right here. We're, we're, we're laying in the grass. That's hilarious. So. I love that. It, yeah, it probably looks real strange, especially to a non-athlete. Like, what is going on? Is that what baseball and softball is? <laughs> is that what you do? <laughs> Should have joined the head sport. <laughs> So I want to be mindful of your time, but is there anything else that you've discovered along your journey that has seemed to really help with the mental game or helped maintain that strong culture when, you know, championship season gets crazy and year-long seasons get really stressful? What has helped you in your coaching experience? Well, I'll say I'll start with um, just being a really – I, I really love to read and I love to learn. And, and I think most coaches do. I think one of the most fun things about being a coach is that you always feel like there's something else you need to learn because you, there's so many interpersonal dynamics and, and, and different situations that present themselves. And so mm -hmm. I just, I have always, you know, if there's a book I find about the mental game, I grab it. I mean, you name it from, um, Zen golf to mind gym to the Ooh, inner yeah. game of tennis to um, yes. physical training, 10 minute toughness, heads yes. up baseball, as I mentioned earlier. I mean, the list goes on. And, on and on. You know, if it came <laughs> out, I read it and it was page turners and it was great. But <laughs> all of that stuff is so wonderful, but it's one person reading one book. Mm. and a lot of the things that we can do and then there's some wonderful um programs out there there's there's um athlete tough there's personal responsibility and daily excellence brian kane's program positive performance with Lindsay wilson athlete tough is Bo and liz hansen and then mm -hmm. i mentioned play big program with tom hansen 
they're all great, but they still, for the most part, and some of these I used a couple years ago, so they may have changed, but for the most part, they start with the individual. And some people really glom onto it and take the lessons and, and, and run with it. And, and some don't. And so it's almost like we end up waiting for everyone to go on their own sort of personal pace and journey with the mental game. And it, and as a team, you never get where you need to be as a team mm-hmm. because you're busy waiting for everyone to kind of develop their individual mental toughness and emotional management program on their own. Mm. And what I've really discovered is that I need, I, I put these titles out as often as I can to my kids, like, try this book. It's so good. You would love it. But that's not our focus as a team. Our focus as a team is just as you um, have emphasized um, is culture. Mm. And this year, actually, we've, I think we've done the best job of any year so far here at Purdue Fort Wayne of starting with what are, what's our team mission? What, mm. what are we about? And then from there, let's figure out how we as individuals can make adjustments if we need to, to fit into that and, mm. and grow that and add to that and contribute to that. And I tell you what, I know the season hasn't started yet, but to this point, I've seen a lot quicker team chemistry formation mm. and development. I've seen a lot more camaraderie and competitive excellence arise from that mm-hmm. as opposed to doing it the individual first. So if I had some advice to offer, I would say devour the books. They're so good and they will help you not only as a coach, but as a person and an individual in your own life. Mm-hmm. And it'll help your kids too. If you can get them interested in, in picking up a book. Um, but start with establishing your culture and what the tenants within that are going to be. Mm. And your kids will have a lot easier time identifying what's important. Oh my gosh. I'm doing, you know, the little prayer hands emoji. I'm doing that right now. (laughs) (laughs) You can see my face. This, yes, this is exactly. And we did the same dang thing. (laughs) We started with the mental game, trying to get everybody caught up to speed. And they were like, no, no, no. It all starts with culture because Mm -hmm. it helps them narrow in on what the heck they need to focus on. Cause there's too much. If you, there's too much. <laughs> just throw the library at them. No one will ever get anywhere for the team. But if you're focusing in on, like we narrow it really down, like three to five words, <laughs> like real narrow, but they, they cover different aspects of the game. But then it helps you like, okay, I can let that one thing go. Like, so I'm not confident today. It's all right. One of our team words is fearless. So I don't feel good about this, but I'm going to, work my butt off anyway and go for it. How much less stressful is that to the individual? Mm. Yeah, I like that. That's great. Well, I got it from you. That's what you're doing. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is awesome. Okay, I got to get a sneak peek. What is a little peek into this team's culture this year that you'll be focusing on? Well, we have established that what we're trying to do is leave a legacy. And That's the end game. And now we're working backwards. So, okay, that's what we want to do, right? At the the end of our, of of Team 36's time, at the banquet for Team 36, we want to be able to clearly state the legacy that we've left. 
So how are we going to make that happen? Well, number one, these three, these tenants, I would, I would mention three right now, they now become specific to our program, our specific environment, our specific advantages, our specific constraints. So many hands make work light is, is one of the ways that we're going to lay that groundwork for a legacy. Mm -hmm. Um, We all have to pitch in. We have to do our work with joy. We have to attend to our field, put the time in on our field when necessary. We got to do it with joy because we don't have a whole staff of people to take care of our field. We do that. And And we can't do real weather. (laughs) Yes. And we have real weather to deal with. (laughs) So we're going to, you know, many hands make work light. We're all going to pitch in and we're going to get the work done um, that, that needs to be done in order to play practice and perform. Um, we over me, um, this is something that I think gets used a lot for us. What it means is instead of wanting to win, want to be a winner. And the only winners in team sports are the team. So your personal wins won't add up to being a winner. Only you can only be a winner if the team wins. And that's, we're going to have to have that if we're going to leave a legacy. We're going to have to understand when it's our time to contribute in a more notable way. And we're going to have to understand when it's our time to know to, to you know, to contribute in a, in a behind the scenes way. Um, and again, we, we got to want to be a winner, um, not just to win, um, meaning individual wins. Yeah. So, um, and then synergy um, that goes back to the, the, the Mudita concept. Uh, if we're going to synergize to be greater than the sum of our parts, um, to beat more talented teams, which inevitably we will play, um, to beat evenly talented teams, we're going to see it all. Um, we have to want success for each other more than we want it for ourselves. And when they get it, we have to be as happy as they feel um, because everyone's success is shared. So, um, those are probably the three real pillars to how, how we're going to accomplish leaving a legacy. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for your team. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be so good. Cause it, it brings back that selfless attitude where you don't have to be a selfish person to get way too wrapped up in your own stuff. <laughs> so I love this focus. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think something I only mentioned cursorily, but to your point about, you know, not intending to be selfish, but getting a little wrapped up is, hey, what are we doing to give these student athletes and ourselves some perspective? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you see really great examples it examples of it all through sports, whether it's, you know, um, raising money and, 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 and becoming big sisters or big brothers for kids with, with cancer or, or, you know, putting some, some dollars together to, to fund a family at Thanksgiving or, you know, have some perspective on, on things. Cause at the end of the day, we are all so, so blessed to have these opportunities at the highest level of our game. Um, and bigger picture, you know, a lot of times our problems probably pale <laughs> in comparison mm-hmm. to, to others. So I think that's a really huge piece for everyone's ability to manage stress is, Hey, Let's keep things in perspective. So Brian Kane and his program does a great job mm-hmm. of that with an activity called the perspective poster. Like, 
you know, yep. put, put something up in your locker room or your dugout that reminds you, Hey, you know, this is a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, you know, any number of things that, that are happening across the world and impacting people's lives. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Yeah. We did that exercise too. And it was like, Oh man, we were all in tears. Like, we, yeah, we love this sport. We're so thankful. I'll never take it for granted again. <laughs> so good. It'll get you weepy, sure. but in the good way. <laughs> well, that is awesome. Any last tips, advice for our coaches listening? I just, I'm so excited that that this um, that your your podcast is out there and that that the mental sweet spot is out there. This is the kind of thing that that coaches need and, and student athletes to these kind of resources to at, at your fingertips. And um, I just so appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about it with you and, and, uh, and learn from you as well. Um, just, Hey, go get the mental sweet spot. It's, 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 this is, this is where it's at, you know? Um, so good stuff. Thank, Thank you. you Thank you. You are our people. I was so excited to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your perspective too. Of course. Anytime. <laughs> And that is a wrap for today. To support and learn more about Coach Fairchild and her team, head to gomastodons.com forward slash sports forward slash softball. To support Mental Sweet Spot, we'd love if you shared this episode with a friend who also believes in the human side of coaching. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to reach out to me at mel at mentalsweetspot.com. Shoot me a message on Twitter at Coach Mel Rushing or join our free Facebook group, Mental Sweet Spot Coaches. Hope to chat soon and until then, have a great week.